Welcome to another episode of Christ in Prophecy. Our topic today is both prophetically significant and heartbreaking. We're going to talk about all the signs of society that are multiplying around us. Throughout this year, we'll be airing programs focusing on the six categories that Dr. David Reagan identified as signs of the times, pointing to the soon return of Jesus Christ. They're the signs of nature, signs of society, spiritual signs, signs of technology, signs of world politics, and the signs of Israel. Any of you who received or read our Lamplighter magazine will see that we're stepping through these six categories of signs over the course of 2023. And as Tim said, the signs of society are particularly heartbreaking because we can see them happening all around us. They bear testimony to the breakdown of our society as it rushes headlong towards a post-Christian secular future. Nathan and I will drill down on the rapid decline in morality and the abandonment of objective truth throughout Western culture but there is hope even in the midst of this painful assessment of where we are today. We'll get to that in just a minute, but let's return to Romans chapter 1 to understand what Paul warned would happen as individuals and societies turn away from God. Nathan, what did Paul have to say? Well, if you want to go to any chapter that really explains well, there's two that we'll bring up in this program, but the first one is Romans 1. It's a go-to to understanding the signs of society. Why is society degrading and what is the cause? And you can go uh, start verse 18. I'll go back a bit. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against who? The ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Why? They suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Yes. So a sign of a the failing society is they suppress the truth. Because what may be known of God is manifest to them, in other words, general revelation. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. They neither acknowledge God, nor do they glorify him, nor are they thankful. And so the result is what? They're futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So that's the very first step of a society that's leaving its Judeo-Christian roots or yes. falling into a collapse. It's falling into degradation, you could say, is the first thing they do is they, they see the signs of creation, that there is a, even if they don't recognize God, there's got to be an architect, there's got to be a designer. They say, no, we just came about through evolution and time and, and mutations and things like that. They deny there's a creator. So it says, the Bible says that their foolish hearts become darkened. And that's the first step on the downward decline of a society. It sure is. As a matter of fact, it goes on to say that professing to be wise, they become fools. And yeah. certainly our society uh, gloats in its wisdom and its technological advancement, and yet we're becoming more and more foolish day by day. We are exchanging the glory of God and the revealed uh, revelation of Scripture in the person of Jesus Christ to follow after all sorts of secular false gods and really idols. And that's why it says in verse 24, Therefore God gave them, these people who reject Him, over to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. And surely we've seen that in a, a plethora of sexual, uh, I guess, 
unleashed uh, sexual uh, promiscuity throughout the 60s, 70s, even through this day, and God has given our society over to all sorts of degradation. Yeah, I mean, you go back probably the 20s, and they say the Scopes Monkey Trial, as yes. evolution started getting a foothold into the school systems, and it started edging out Christianity and the Bible. We saw uh, the reading of the, the word disappear in, I believe it was the, the late 50s, early 60s, uh, the end of the Pledge of Allegiance in my time growing up, and, and other things. And so when they became foolish and they denied there's a God, you brought up a great point. The second step towards the fall decline is sexual promiscuity. You live for sexuality. Your laws are about trying to protect you, be able to have sex with whatever and whomever and wherever without no consequences whatsoever. And I think there's a great passage. We'll get to that in Second uh, Peter. But uh, it's interesting, too, that once the sexual revolution happens, then it goes to the third step downward, and that's where we read in verse 26, is that they move from regular sexuality to perverse sexuality. For this reason, God gave them over to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use of what is against nature. The men leaving the natural use of women burned for lust for one another, and it says so things and so on. So God gave them, and it's interesting, God gave them over yes. to a debased mind to do the things which are not fitting. And it goes on saying the society then becomes represented by unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, malicious, envy, murder, deceit, strife, evil-mindedness, whispers, backstabbers, haters of God. It goes on it and goes on, on and on. on. But I think we've seen, especially I remember in the 90s when homosexuality really started taking off, Ellen DeGeneres kind of popu popularized it, and then society embraced it. But just, as you know, in the last 10 years, I mean, oh. we've gone from acceptance of homosexuality down to the word now to the point of that we're even seeing advocacy for pedophilia. Yeah, it's being celebrated to the point of our country, our national government is advocating that other nations embrace the same uh, endorsement of and celebration of homosexuality that our culture and society has. You know, you mentioned, I'm going to back up one second, about the, the trajectory of prayer and and other things being removed from the schools, the society rejecting God. There was also a perfect storm even in some of the other uh, medical advancements. So when our society developed and, and started using the pill, it gave a, a freedom for unfettered sexual exploration outside of marriage. And of course, then we had no-fault divorce. We don't want anybody to be held to a godly ordained relationship of marriage. So it just threw off the fetters in the language of Psalm 2 and all the rest of the promiscuity followed on. And in terms of homosexuality, it got to the point that even with the, the AIDS and HIV epidemic back several years ago, you couldn't tie that to homosexuality, even though all the evidence pointed that way. And we're seeing that again with the outbreak of this so-called monkeypox, which is demonstrably tied to homosexual activity, and yet you can't even call it for what it is because that might cast a, a cloud on that kind of behavior. And so we've just turned everything upside down, and yet that was not the end. You just killed the video on YouTube. No, we're going to be banned now for you just <laughs> you just saying that. I mean, we're at the society where we're we're good and yeah. evil are, are uh, as Isaiah five twenty is is that people call good evil and evil good. I think, it, too, if you go back to the early 20th century, when evolution was accepted, God was pushed aside, and you saw God pulled out of the family. Mm. Well, Satan always attacks the family. So what he, he yes. went after the nuclear family through sexual promiscuity. So in my generation, your generation growing up in the <clears throat> 70s and 80s, then we were growing up in a vast amount of divorcism. And with the divorcism, you got children who were growing up without the solid family unit. 
and they became more family with their friends. And their friends, of course, being kids, are bad influences. We call them latchkey children when yeah, I was a kid. I was kids one. that came I home, there was nobody at home. They, they raised themselves to a degree during the daytime and, and got into more trouble, uh, I would argue, than kids in previous generations. Yeah, I mean, I've always had strong parents. Sure. But you know, they work, so you had to let yourself in and all. And you could do... No, I, hopefully I didn't, but you know the kids would get in trouble. But then you got to the when they started growing up, and you got into the '90s and the college scene, uh, sexual practices, which is big in college, started going in more and more things. Well, now it's the Generation Z, our children's generation, is being called the queerest generation in American history. They've left just sexual promiscuity, and they've gone into full-blown polyamory yes. and homosexuality, and we're not harking on the sin per se, but we're seeing that the Romans one pattern is based on this fall. And what's interesting is that every time that people respond and society falls, God takes a step back. And he, remember the verse says he leaves them to a debased mind. Yes. So he allows the society to fall apart. That's a certain type of wrath. It, it certainly is a certain type of wrath. Abandonment it's, it's wrath. Abandonment wrath. Mm -hmm. And the other thing we could point to even with the, the breakdown of the nuclear family, our own government at one time undermined the idea of having both a, a mother and a father, they're present with children, and so they would provide uh, different payouts to women who would not be married, and so it, it led to continuing and increasing breakdown of the family to the point that now many in our culture scoff at men. They, they call it all uh, aggressive masculinity, and, and, and so they toxic. do toxic, yeah, yeah, toxic, toxic masculinity to, to the point that men themselves by and large in our society have been emasculated. I mean, I get mailings in the, in the mail with, uh, with advertisements and it shows men that, that look more like women than men advertising makeup of all things these days. Oh. And so, just as you indicated, the last giving over is in chapter one, verse 28, when it said, because they did not even acknowledge God anymore, he gave them over to a depraved mind. And boy, you talk about a depraved mind, we have a new Supreme Court justice who can't even define what the word woman means. And others in our society who like to advocate that men can give birth and women can uh, you know, father children. It is, this is crazy. It is an absolutely depraved mind that our society is celebrating. We've gone a long ways from that Murphy Brown incident. Remember with Dan Quayle where he spoke out against single motherhood and the society just ripped him and called him stupid. And now we've got a society today that basically says you don't need your parents to know or you should, you should be celebrated. The military has a recruitment video that celebrates a same-sex parents for recruiting. This all goes to 2 Timothy 3 verses 1 yes. through 5, which is a prophecy about the end time culture, not just in the United States society, but uh, the global culture is degrading. Uh, homosexuality and perversion, that third step in the Romans process has captured the entire world, even Israel. You go to Israel and Tel Aviv is the homosexual capital, but says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be what? Lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, keeps going on, <clears throat> lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. So what we've got here is we have the love of self, which is humanism. We have the love of money, which is materialism. And then we have the love of pleasure, which is hedonism. Yes. And when those three dominate your life, what do you have? You have apathy. You have this desire that life is worthless. And we've seen our suicide rates skyrocket. You have nihilism, which is basically a giving over to absolute depression and, and 
despondency, and that is happening, as you said, in droves, especially in younger generations who should be optimistic about what the future holds, but they aren't, overwhelmingly. They, they see absolute despair lying ahead of them. Uh, so we've talked about the unfettered sexual licentiousness, the flagrant homosexuality, even to the point of uh, this galls my, my spirit. I, I know it has to offend a holy God. The LGBTQ++ uh, movement today there's has appropriated, yeah, there's always a new letter. They'll get the whole alphabet eventually. But they've taken the rainbow which is a symbol of God's promise that He would never again destroy the earth. That is a, a holy symbol, and they've appropriated it to be a symbol of, of abomination. And, and if you see a rainbow today on a flag, you don't think of Noah's Ark, you think oh. of, of the, the LGBTQ agenda. We have confusion over basic truths, as I said, an epidemic of divorce. The other thing that's happening in our country is people escaping through mind-numbing drug use, whether it's prescribed, frankly, or so-called recreational. And many, many states are legalizing drugs that in the past were recognized as, as abhorrent to the, to the you know, functioning of our society. We've seen abomination of millions of babies being aborted in their mother's wombs. Churches that would claim to honor Christ that now denigrate His Word, deny His deity, and national leaders who flaunt deceitfulness and sin. And boy, have we got an epidemic of that at every level of government. You, you said it. This reminds me of Matthew 24, 12, and because lawlessness will abound, and we've seen especially in 2020 with the whole pandemic lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold. Tim, we saw the 2022 yes. midterm elections. What was the number one issue for Democrats? Abortion. They came out in droves to hope that their states would overturn uh, pro-life movements. And how can there be less love than a mother who doesn't love the own child inside them? Well, it is convicting to all of us that we tolerate these things, as the Lord had uh, a word of uh, admonishment for the church at Thyatira. How many things do we as Christians tolerate instead of saying, no, we're not going to just go along with some of these things? You know, in the same chapter there, of chapter 24 of Matthew, the Lord telling us that we would recognize the various signs we're talking about as pointing to His soon coming, said in verse 37 that the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. And there's several aspects of the days of Noah, but we know that the Lord finally had had enough and poured out wrath upon the whole earth because it was filled with wickedness. And that's how the Lord actually works. I mean, you think about, there's a few times where we were wondering if a certain people, like the Amalekites, for instance, and the Canaanites were supposed to be destroyed. And the Lord would say, not yet, because the measure of their wickedness isn't in full. In mm -hmm. other words, wrath of God is like a cup. It, it fills up and fills up and fills up until finally the, the people are so evil that they deserve the wrath of God. They deserve the punishment. And that's what he steps in. And the Lord said, uh, we'd covered this in the Signs of Nature episode, the previous one. And this one, uh, we can refer back to when Jesus said that the signs leading up to his return there would increase in frequency and intensity. And yes. one of those signs would be, as we said, the signs of nature, fearful events, uh, scary events in society, and that the, the nature of the people would be at a point where God's wrath was ready and the tribulation would commence. But first, and, and it's a blessing, right? What happens before the tribulation? Yeah, before the tribulation, the rapture, when the Lord yes. comes for His church and we are, are rescued from the wrath that is to come. So He does not intend us for wrath. There is now no condemnation for any of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ. Only blessing, only good. Yes, there will be little t tribulation during this life, but not the big t tribulation that awaits those who have rejected God and upon which He will outpour His wrath. You know, I think some in our own society think, 
uh, almost looking backward. But, but we're a Christian nation. God surely wouldn't judge us like others. And I'm reminded that that is not the model of Scripture. As a matter of fact, God held Judah and Israel liable for their sin, perhaps even to a greater degree at times than the pagan nations around them. Why? Well, you could see in the history of Israel, which was really fascinating, and I always wondered this when I was young, that Israel would, would be fiery for the Lord, and then the next generation would be kind of apathetic. And then the third generation would be outright rebellious, and then the fourth generation would feel God's wrath, and he'd send some kind of disaster, usually a foreign nation attacking mm -hmm. him or something, which would bring them back to him, and they'd be a fire for the Lord, and then their kids would be apathetic, and that cycle would go on and on. And I was like, what is wrong with these people? Why can't the Israelites get this right? Well, I've been around the block enough now in America to see, oh my goodness, we are now in that fourth generation. We're, we're, we've seen the rebelliousness of our parents. We are now in the destruction generation. And so that should terrify most people. It, uh, it really should. Yeah. And yet do we have enough core understanding? We don't. That's the problem. And that's the yeah. problem. We'll, we'll get to what our role is in just a moment. But, but I'm reminded even what the Lord said uh, through the prophet Ezekiel. So if you turn to Ezekiel chapter 16, uh, speaking of Sodom and Gomorrah, two cities we think of as so abominable, God destroyed them outright. But he says, as I live, declares the Lord God, Sodom, your sister and her daughters have not done as you and your daughters have done. Before this was the guilt of your sister Sodom and her daughters, they had arrogance, abundant food, but did not help the, the poor and needy. They were wicked. They were haughty and committed abominations before me, the things we've been talking on today. Therefore, I removed them when I saw it. He goes on to talk about Samaria. But the, the gist of this message is that as he's talking to his people, Judah and Israel, their sins are even more egregious in God's eyes. And I go back to the statement I've made before, because they should have known better. Uh, my parents sometimes punish me far worse than my friends receive punishment because, as my parents said, well, you knew better. And certainly our society has, at one time at least, known better. We still like to think of ourselves as a Christian nation. Shouldn't a Christian nation know better than to behave as we're behaving or to tolerate the things that we collectively are tolerating? I mean, we are a country that, if you, and it's historically proven, there are people who deny it now, which shows the depravity. We were based on Judeo-Christian values, all the way back to the Mayflower Compact Pact even. Yes. And so why do we not see American Bible prophecy? It's obvious, because America doesn't make it into the end times, uh, it's, at least in the form that we're in. Uh, we do know that eventually the United States will become part of the Antichrist global government. We will join it. We will come against Israel and try to destroy it. But it seems that the superpower status of any nation is only tied to their love of the Lord and their ability to send missionaries out. We can look back to the British Empire, which during the 1800s was a great sending agency yes. for missionaries all the world. And they were the world power. But you know, after World War I, they kind of turned against the Lord and the German school of higher criticism got in. They gave up God and they fell through that Romans 1 declination. We were the superpower of the world. Now China is rising. Well, why China? Who has the largest population and Christians in the world right now? It's the uh, underground church in China. The Lord is blessing China despite their sufferings despite and persecution. So at wherever a country turns to the Lord, even if it's a remnant, the Lord will bless that nation. Well, let's, let's bring this home to us personally. And I want to make a point. We obviously have been tracking along this year and will throughout this year uh, with our Lamplighter series focusing on the signs of the time. So in, in January and February, we talked about the signs of nature just as one of our 
our previous episode on the signs. We in the past have talked about other times when we've highlighted the departing glory of God from this nation and this month's Lamplighter magazine will also be focusing and does focus on the signs of society. So we'd encourage you to either order that magazine, uh, start subscribing, or go to our website where you can read it for free. But Nathan, for a Christian, one of the challenges is what do I do? How should I live in this day and age? And that's why the resource we're offering today and what we want to focus on these last few minutes is living for Christ in the end times. If there is rising apostasy, if there is spiritual degradation in our own formerly Christian society, how should we live? Well, Dr. David Reagan in his great book, Living for Christ in the End Times, tells us how we can live. And so we'd like to offer this to our viewers today. Yeah, folks, this is an excellent book about how do we live in these times? These times are rough. Uh, it kind of reminds me of uh, uh, the verse here in uh, 1 Peter 4, which describes what the end times are like, which Dr. Reagan addresses here. He says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Amen. And so uh, I found this book to be a great blessing because it really did encourage me living in these times because, you know, we all want the Lord to come and take us up to heaven and, and be done with this. But for right now, the Lord's got us here for a duty to perform, to share the gospel with people and live holy lives. And this book's a good guide to help you through. You know, for a, a gift of only $20 or more, we will be glad to send you a copy of Living for Christ in the End Times. And that includes shipping. So just call the number on your screen or reach out to us on our online store, which is new and revamped, and we'll be glad to send you a copy. But this brings up another point. It's easy to get discouraged and to watch the TV news and to think, you know, it's all hopeless. And we've talked about the despair that's rising even in the youth. That attitude is somewhat reflected in Scripture. I'm reminded of Elijah. Immediately after his victory, really the Lord's victory over the prophets of Baal there at Mount Carmel, he ran off afraid of an ungodly woman. And he felt dejected and, and rejected by his people. And he had a little pity party and said, I'm the only one left. And the Lord had to remind him, and he did this very poignantly in 1 Kings 19, verse 18, that he was not the only one. There was a remnant. There were still 7,000 in Israel who had not bowed their knee to Baal. And so even in the midst of darkness, God offered hope. And so today, we're not alone. There are other believers who are faithful. You may have to seek them out and, and collect together with them because sometimes it's harder even to find faithful people in any given city, but they're out there and God wants us to be encouraged. Yes, Jan Markell calls them the remnant church. And I've started using that phrase because it's very much true. People that love the Lord, they love Bible prophecy, they love the idea of His returning. They look to 1 Thessalonians 5, which I think is a great uh, exhortment and encouragement to the believers says, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. In other words, this evil society will have destruction happen on one day. Yes, but the, the destruction Lord... will come upon them, and they will be surprised. Absolutely. And yet the next verses tell us what? Destruction comes in as labor pains. On a, we're on a yes. pregnant woman. They shall not escape. So all these evil pedophiles and murderers and killers and liars and rapists, you know, their their destruction has come. They shall not escape. But you, brethren, here's the advice. Here's the advice. Are not in darkness. Amen. So that this day should overtake you as a thief. You're all sons of light and sons of the day. 
And that, brother, as long as we are close to the Lord, we read his Bible, the Holy Spirit dwells in us, and we can know the times we live in. We know that this evil system will end, and Jesus' system is coming, this millennial kingdom, a time of peace and righteousness and justice. So even as we talk about a very dark cloud descending on our society, and it's evident all around us, I mean, turn on the news, it it is truly heartbreaking. And yet there is a silver lining to this very dark cloud, and that is the fact that it tells us that the Lord is coming soon. And to finish out the passage you just read, Nathan, in verse 6 of chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, uh, Paul says, So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. Alert for what? Alert for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and sober about being about His business. Not discouraged, not dejected, but really motivated, invigorated. In other words, the finish line is right ahead. Let's sprint to the finish line. A man can't choose the times they live in. I certainly wouldn't choose this time. But we have the Lord here to guide us and direct us to doing His will. As Second Peter, I uh, believe, says that the Lord isn't slow in keeping His no. promises. Some understand slowness. He is patient, wanting all to come to repentance. Amen. When the last person who's accepted the Lord in the church age comes saved, He will return. He will take us up to heaven. And this evil system will finally be destroyed. So there is an element that we have not just a privilege, but a responsibility to be active partners with the Lord, co-laborers with Christ, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and the glorious message that He is coming. Again, advising our friends and neighbors to flee from the wrath to come and into the loving arms of our Savior. We pray you have already done so, but that you will join Nathan and me, all of us here at Lamb and Lion Ministries, in proclaiming Jesus is indeed coming soon. Dr. Reagan's book, Living for Christ in the End Times, subtitled Coping with Anarchy and Apostasy, was originally published in the year 2000. The second edition is available and it brings the book up to date regarding the rapid decay of our society and the increasing apostasy in the church. He presents many ways to respond to and cope with both the collapse of society and spiritual deception. Some of the chapters are the collapse of society, the apostasy in the church, standing on the word of God, Believing in the power of God, relying on the Holy Spirit, practicing tough faith, ordering your priorities, keeping an eternal perspective, and much more. This very relevant book can be yours for a donation of $20 or more, including the cost of shipping. Just call the number you see on the screen or place your order through our website at lamblion.com. Nathan and I are as heartbroken as all of you to look out at our formerly Christian nation and witness the degradation of spiritual and moral discernment, let alone the rising tide of lawlessness, chaos, and wickedness. My fifth grandchild was born this year, and I personally wonder what kind of world he will grow up in if the Lord tarries. We cannot sugarcoat the reality that is. God was clear when He called out Israel and Judah for their sins and their disregard of His blessings. In spite of their chosen status, He would send judgment that would decimate the people in the Promised Land. Too many Americans think we are immune from God's judgment. They seem to assume God's throne is draped with an American flag. That false impression makes an idol out of a nation, something other people and other nations are also prone to do. But the Word of God is clear. If anything, God sets higher expectations for those who ought to know better. Certainly, our nation once resolved to embrace our Christian heritage and bear witness to the blessing of Christian godliness. 
But now, America revels in its own wickedness. And yet, that is exactly what the Bible describes in the end times. All the nations in the world will eventually come against the Lord and His anointed. We're seeing that trajectory manifest itself before our very eyes, which tells us that Jesus is at the very gates of heaven, ready to come and rescue His bride. Revelation 2 and 3 contain 14 promises for those who overcome. We pray that you have put your trust in our soon returning King and that you are determined to overcome the persecution, the chaos, and the discouragement that is rising all around us. Until next week, join us in looking up and being watchful for our redemption is drawing near. Godspeed. Christ in Prophecy is made possible through the faithful and generous support of viewers like you. Please consider making a donation to Lamb and Lion Ministries so that we can continue broadcasting the message of Jesus' soon return. Thank you and God bless you.